Pastor Paul here. We have some uh, technical difficulties this morning, and I'm sure it's all a result of my cyber buffoonery. All right, so I'm trying to trying to arrange it right now. Okay, so it might be a little chopped off, a little uh, discombobulated, but we are here doing our morning devotional. I'm now on my iPhone, not the iPad. Okay, we're ready to rock. Hope you guys had a great weekend. It feels like a hot, humid jungle out here after all the rain over the weekend. But we're here nonetheless. I'm representing this morning with our mug from the Masters, a tradition like no other. They had to postpone this year's golfing event never been to the Masters. Uh, it's the world. It's the it's the Walt Disney World of golf. It's pretty amazing. Hope you get the chance to go one day. They're they're doing it in November this year with no guests or patrons because of all the COVID stuff. But anyway, just was feeling nostalgic. Thought I would pull this one out this morning. Anyway, glad you're here. Let me pray for us, and we'll jump into Revelation chapter seven. Um, Lord Jesus. Um, we thank you for this morning and your mercies. And as we read about your church and how you love your church and how you're protecting your church and how you're um, hedging up your church despite all the winds of, of trial and tribulation that, that come against us, Lord, help us to be encouraged this morning. Help us to uh, come away just filled with hope that despite what's happening in the world around us, um, that you are in charge and in control. So Lord, we ask that you would bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we are in Revelation 7. Get your Bibles in front of you. And just a bit of, uh, a bit of brief review to help you understand how we're reading or how I think we need to, to read and interpret Revelation. That Revelation comes these visions that John is receiving after having been in the throne room of heaven are described as coming in the form of seals or bowls or trumpets, and they all come in sevens. And the idea of seven, it's a number of completeness in Revelation. It, I believe it's meant to show us all the kinds of things that will take place between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And as we're reading each of these series of seven of seven seals or seven bowls or seven trumpets it's giving us a picture a history of redemption it's giving us um, a snapshot of all the different things that will be happening for every believer in every time in every age but each of the seven in turn um, emphasize a different aspect of that history of redemption or what's happening between now in the time Christ comes. So sometimes the seals really emphasize judgment. Sometimes they will emphasize salvation. Sometimes they will emphasize uh, the role of Jesus. Sometimes they will, you, you get the idea. And I was trying to think of a good example of this um, to, to better illustrate this, but um, went to an FSU game a number of years ago and they, and they had um, this piece of technology and they told people that when you get home, uh, go on and log into your computer, your iPhone, and you can see a picture, this 360 degree picture, 
that was taken of the entire FSU stadium and all 85,000 fans. And furthermore, what you were able to do, taking this picture, if you knew your seat number, you were able to scan in and magnify and find yourself in the crowd. In fact, you could do that for each and every person there. It's an amazing piece of technology, right? Um, and so you, if you chose to, you could zoom in on your friend in section here or someone in the marching chiefs or someone in the press box or someone in the student section. And this was you know, based upon a photo that had been taken hours before but you could hone in and it's a pretty, pretty amazing thing actually. And so that's kind of what happens with these visions and seals and trumpets and bowls that, that John is choosing to hone in or focus in on one particular aspect of the believer's experience between here in these last days, which we know is that time between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And here, what we find um, is that as this sixth seal is broken, that one of the things that John is emphasizing is the fact that this is going to be a moment of judgment, okay? That this is going to be a moment where the Lamb is coming forth, and he is going to be either received as, you know, either you're going to receive the mercy of the Lamb or the wrath of the Lamb. And as we saw in chapter 6 last time, um, the emphasis was on the judgment and the wrath of the Lamb against those who have opposed him, who have taken up arms against God's people. Well, here in chapter 7, he's going to do one of those focus in, spotlight things on what's happening for the people of God. So, so, so what, what particular care and attention is God giving his people in the midst of the judgments that are being poured out upon the earth, okay, um, everything that's happening between the time of the first and the second comings of Christ. And here he talks about the fact that his people have been um, miraculously, supernaturally sealed. And we're going to talk about that. Let's look in verse, in chapter 7. Um, and let's, in fact, let's start with verse 1. In chapter 7, it says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. And here he's talking about, he is protect, this is an idea that God is protecting his people. He's protecting, he's holding back the forces of the earth, um, that nothing can threaten the eternal security and salvation of God's people, right? So that, that's, what he's, that's what he's referring to here. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the trees or the sea until we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. Now, this idea that the people of God have been sealed on their foreheads. This is going to be an important thing to remember because um, in a few chapters we're going to get to a another sign or mark that's given to people on their forehead, uh, the mark of the beast, which I think is meant to symbolically demonstrate those who have not been sealed by the Holy Spirit, which I think is what John is referring to here. So if you've got your Bibles in front of you, if you flip over to Ephesians 1.13, Paul actually talks about this sealing 
um, and now we're talking about S-E-A-L-I-N-G, that we receive at the moment of our conversion by the Holy Spirit. So Ephesians 1.13 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Okay, flip over to Ephesians 4.30. You're going to see the same sort of language there. When Paul says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Okay, same word. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 1.22. We're going to see this one more time. 2 Corinthians 1.22 or I'll start with 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So what is the seal of the believer that, that's being referred to in Revelation 7? I believe it's the seal of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's a physical mark. I believe it's the that those who've been set apart, who belong to Christ, have been sealed with his spirit. That means kept safe. The Holy Spirit given within us as a deposit um, as a guarantee that Jesus is going to come back one day for us. And this is going to be transposed against the seal of the beast, okay? Or those who don't have the mark of the Spirit, who haven't been sealed, okay? Um, and, and I think that's what, um, that, that's the contrast that, that we're going to see John make. But right now, what we need to understand is that all of God's servants have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's why they're safe. That's why they're secure. Now, he goes on to look in verse 44, and I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. And it goes down and lists 12,000 people each from these tribes of Israel. Now, what is this? Well, you know, the history of the church has been filled with all sorts of speculation about, you know, who is the 144,000? Is it, are they alive on the earth today? Are these Jews? Are they, um, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses there say they're one thing? Again, what does the word apocalyptic mean? To reveal by symbols. How would the original readers have understood this? I think for them, these sort of numbers were, were, were much clearer, I think, because they were, they were um, you know, educated into understanding and reading apocalyptic language. Remember back in the earlier chapters, chapters 4 and 5, we heard about the 12 elders and the 12 apostles. Remember that? And that they were symbolic of all the people of God gathered around the throne. Well, I think what's happened here is, is, is when, you, when you take those 12, okay, and, and remember, a thousand is a multiplier. Um, a thousand is, a, is something that is a, um, is a sign of completeness. And so when you take 12 times 12, um, 144, and then you you multiply it by a thousand. Okay, the twelve tribes, the twelve apostles. It's meant to be a number of completeness. Okay, it's meant to it's meant to say that not one person, okay, who's been sealed by the Holy Spirit will be harmed. Not one person, okay, will God ever lose who belongs to Him. And we know now, right? Who is the true Israel, right? Who does who does Paul says it's not those who are ethnically Jews; it's those who are children of Abraham by faith. And so, I think as um, remember, this is a picture. It's meant to communicate vision and imagery and creativity. And I think as the readers were reading this, they would have understood. Oh yes, um, 
in that day, in that time, when Jesus returns again, not one will be lost. The, the number of the complete elect of God will be captured up. We are now the spiritual Israel. And we have been sealed and marked by the Holy Spirit. And I think the readers were, were, were meant to read this and understand, wow. Although the body they may kill in this life, God's truth abideth still, as Luther said, that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and he is coming back one day to gather up his people who belong to him. All right, so now the now Revelation 7 ends, okay, with the same group of people, and now the metaphors and imageries change, and everyone is gathered around the throne worshiping God. It says a great multitude from every nation. So so here now we're giving a, a more of a realistic picture and in, in, in physically in terms of what's happening. That these 144,000, they stand for the seal of God. And these, in fact, are people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, as verse 9 tells us. And they're all gathered around the throne. And it says that they have been clothed in white. That means, that means they've been covered by the righteousness of Christ. It says that these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And we typically think about a tribulation as a, as a literal seven-year period. We'll get to that. But really, tribulation here in Revelation means that time of unrest, okay, when people die, when the saints are martyred, when the church is persecuted, again, between the first and second comings of Christ, that that. God's people will emerge from this tribulation, from this life, although the body they may kill, washed in the blood of the Lamb, clothed in white, sealed with the Holy Spirit, uh, preserved perfectly for Him. And this is such a beautiful last three verses, and let me read this for us, that I think are meant to be a particular encouragement to the church reading this, and to us as we're reading this as well. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is the end of the sixth deal. It's meant to... Again, this series of visions is meant to really zero in, pan in, hone in, magnify the experience of God's people um, walking through these tribulations of this age, the sufferings of this age, the persecutions of the age. They're sealed with the Holy Spirit. They, mark, they are marked off before God, kept in Him, clothed in white, and persevering. Um, through it. So I think that's the, th this Revelation 7 is meant to be a particular encouragement to believers that while God's judgment is coming against the nations for rebelling against him, God is for his people, protecting them, sealing them. Now, if that raises a number of questions for you, because we've kind of had to scan over this at 40,000 feet. Again, I reference you to Scotty Smith's book, um, Unveiled Hope gives a, just a, a very simple pastoral theological oversight of some of these issues. But if you want to take a deeper dive, okay, G.K. Bill's commentary on the book of Revelation is outstanding. 
and I think you'll be encouraged as you read it. All right, thanks for enduring through our tumult this morning, um, our discombobulation, but somehow we made it through Revelation 7. Tomorrow, Revelation 8, okay? We'll look at the seventh seal and what this means, and we'll go from there. Same time, same station. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, even as I'm feeling a little disjointed right now, and like things are not in control and things are um, I'm trying to scurry to put together even something as simple as this little devotional Lord that's a metaphor for our lives we, we never quite feel like we have control we never feel like we quite are able to pull things together but Lord that's okay because you are and you're on your throne today you've sealed us with your spirit um, you have clothed us in white and our eternal place with you is secure forever. We thank you for that, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. See ya.